Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. And we're here tonight talking uh, specifically uh, about how to pray for Pastor Jordan or other leaders, the staff here. You know, we, we learned this morning, and I thought Pastor Jordan did a great job. I always think he does, and I tell him that. And not because he needs to hear me say it, but I need to say it because I believe it. And I'm very proud of him as a pastor, a young pastor, but a very skilled pastor. And especially in bringing the Word of God. So what I want to do is I want to break it down kind of in two, two levels tonight. I've just been sensing that our church as a whole were behind in prayer. And I told the, me, the, I don't know what we were called, planning meeting or something we had here in January. And I was in that. Jordan asked me to come and tell what I was thinking about my future and my ministry. And I said, well, the first thing I feel like is we're behind as a church in prayer. Right. What do I mean by that? You're behind. <laughs> there might be a few of you here that are on top of it and out in front. And, you know, if you pray enough, you're going to see things to come before they ever get here. Right. I'm saying this in your defense, though, because... You had a lot to deal with. If you weren't ready for it, it just overwhelmed you. COVID and presidents and our government and maybe your neighbors, maybe person, people you work with. I don't know. You might be mad at me. I hope you're not. But, you know, and all that bears on you. Listen to me carefully. And that's the main thing the devil tries to do is get you to, to give up on your prayer life. And when you do that, you're not going to be successful. I don't care if you got money. I don't care if you're smart. But you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. When I say prayer, I'm not mean you just go to him, Lord, I want this, I want that, give me this and give me that. That's all included. But how about our personal fellowship with him on a daily basis, ongoingly? And the Bible said Jesus said to us, if we prayed, the Spirit would teach us things to come. I just think that's interesting. So we're going to talk about that. So let me give you a little definition. We're going to talk about two things. First, we're going to talk about praying in tongues because we're behind in that area too. And if you're not, then praise God that I'm not talking to you. Okay? How's that? But I think, this, I think I'm saying something about the Holy Ghost as a prophet. I think the prophet, you know, the Bible says in Amos that God does nothing but he first reveals it to his prophets. And I, I'm not bragging about being a prophet. I'm just saying that's what the Lord showed me back at the end of last year. We were behind in prayer, praying in our personal life, praying in the Spirit. Because, listen, if you're not edified, you cannot edify me. If I'm not edified, I cannot edify you. I could teach you a good Bible lesson. You go home, kiss your wife, and eat a sandwich, go to bed. But that's not what I'm all about. And that's not what Jesus is all about. He wants us to be ahead of things. Things don't get by and we go, wow, I didn't see that coming. I don't know that I see everything coming. I'm glad sometimes I don't maybe. But whatever measure Jesus lets me look into the future, I see some things. And I want want us to catch back up. So the first part of the message is going to be geared to that. He's talking to you about praying in the Spirit. If you don't pray in the Spirit, you're not going to ever get into God's plan for your life. You could know the Bible. But listen to me carefully here. You're a word and spirit person. And what I mean by that, not just that you're, you're a spirit being, even if you're lost and going to hell, you're still a spirit being. But what I'm saying is, you're a word and Holy Ghost spirit, and your spirit's been renewed, and you're speaking in your spirit, you're connecting directly with God who is a spirit. There's a whole lot more than just praying the prayer of faith, Father, I need $100 by Friday. Hopefully you're beyond that in your life now. If you do need help, you need to pray that too, but he wants your fellowship. That's what I enjoy the most out of people, not their money, and people that I fellowship with that really love me and love me as a person and respect me and vice versa back to them. And Anyway, praise the Lord. So I wanted to say this as we get started. You're, I'm asking you to step up in prayer and bring your supply in your prayer life. Now, we learned this morning, just by way of keying off what Jordan taught, he said our finances have been wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Nine hundred and some thousand for a church this size. That's if you or me, you travel like I do. That's amazing. And we're not the only, you know, duck in the pond. There's other people that believe like us, and they they're doing good too. In fact, every single one of my sons 
including Pastor Miller, who helped me with this book. I called him yesterday to thank him. Uh, he said his churches went ahead this year too. Every son that I have has said to me personally, Doctor, I have just our church has just exploded with finances. Now they're not all millionaires, but what I'm saying is something's happening. They ought to say something to us. And of course, what we teach, you know, we don't get up and teach about money every week either. But Jordan did a good job. Money is connected. And where's Josh? Is he here? Man, that was outstanding, sir, this morning. I've been so impressed with the people that have shared. Madeline, uh, Brother Les, and I think uh, Donna's coming next week. Woohoo! Yeah. So we need to bring our supply to the church and pray for Jordan. Now, let me just put it in the way I'm thinking, and then I'm going to get on in and talk about the first part of our, our service here. Let's turn to John 15. And what I was going to say is, John 15, uh, Jordan and the staff, uh, you know, and, when, and I'm in ministry too, so it's like that for me. So I'm saying what we're going to talk about is praying in tongues first, but I'm going to talk to you about how to pray for Jordan particularly. Or you could pray for other leaders here. You could pray for me. I, I would appreciate that. You don't have to, but I'd like you to. And uh, hallelujah. But see, we, the staff, and especially Jordan and the staff here, they bring their supply to you every single day. The people that work here in the staff and do things right here in this building, they're here, you know, every day practically other than Friday. I give them Friday and Saturday off. Um, and Jordan does too. He gives them a break sometimes and all that. But what I'm saying is they're laboring continuously for you. If you call, normally somebody's going to answer the phone here. That should mean more than yes, sir, and okay, yeah. Well, it means something. And when you're a little striving church and you won't spend the money to have anybody answer your phone, that's kind of a lazy deal. I'm not impressed at all. So forth, that's one strikeout. All right, I'll get off my... All right. Answer the phone. You know, I'm glad God, since we're talking about prayer, I want to say God's never, I've never called him up and say, I'd like to speak with God. I'm sorry he's busy right now. He's in the throne room. He'll get back with you in the order in which you called. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. So I wanted to say to, we need to bring our supply, and everybody here has a supply. Whether you speak in tongues or not, of course, if you speak in tongues, you're adding another dimension of your supply. And if you don't have that, you should get it as soon as you can. I'm not teaching on, I'm just teaching on what it'll do if you do pray in tongues to help you tonight. So first of all, let's read John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, so I would just say if you're abiding in Jesus, you're fellowshipping with him. You're not in and out and up and down. Don't talk to him for four or five days and get in an emergency and Try to get him immediately to respond. And he will. Most time he's so merciful to us and gracious with us that he's very available to us and he loves us dearly. But this says, if you abide in me, you live in me, you walk in me, you talk to me, you listen to my voice. There's another issue there. People can pray and they do all the talking, but most people don't know how to stop and listen. I found that out just by being with some people. They just talk, 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 talk. And I'm like doctor anymore. Sometimes I had something to say to him, but I just have to let it go because I go back to the room and say, well, Lord, I had something. I said, yeah, and he talked to you. He talked you right out of it. He just talked through the whole thing. And I didn't, God wasn't too impressed with that either. Anyway, remember prayer is a two-way street. I talk to him, but then I listen to what he has to say back to me. If he needs to say it right then, I give him some time to respond. Or I'm always attuned to prayer. Now listen to me carefully. You can't pray 24-7. You're going to kill yourself trying to do that. I'm not trying to impress God with my prayer life, but I want to learn how to pray accurately. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let me find this. I don't know if Rachel said this or not. Rachel Tifa Tiller. She said some amazing things. Mm. Well, I don't see it right now, but I thought I had it here somewhere. But anyway... So, listen, we need to say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, your prayer life has to be based on the word when it comes to praying the word or praying a principle from the word. You follow me? He might not tell you what color refrigerator to buy. Just pick one. Pick the one that's got all the bells and whistles you want. It says, if you abide me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Why, how could you ask what you will? Because you're abiding in him, you're one spirit with him, and you're fellowshipping with him, and his word is in you. So then I could ask what I, I could ask because my will is aligned with his will. 
and then it's just an automatic thing. He says, and if you'll do that, it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. And I think particularly, we, I see this as a prayer life, 7 and 8. It says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And I think he's talking about prayer, prayer fruit. So shall you be my disciples. That's pretty good. And we're talking about praying in tongues here a minute. Let me, Brother Hagan made this comment. These are just some things I have, some quotes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just marked a couple here to talk about. Praying in the Spirit gets the job done when nothing else will. Now, I've never been a mechanic, but I know enough about tools. Certain tools, it takes certain tools to open certain things. If you don't have that tool, you're going to tear that thing up using some tool that doesn't fit that. But when you have the right tool to go with the right problem, boop, you open it right up. They have certain screws, you know, around in protected buildings that they don't want you fooling with with your screwdriver. They have certain settings on that, and you have to have a certain type of screwdriver to undo that, or you're not getting in there. You could rip it off the wall maybe or blow it up, but, you know, see what I'm saying? you got to have the right tools. So this is interesting. Brother Hagen said this, praying in the Spirit gets the job done when nothing else will. But see what's happened our generation. We are so inundated with all of our technology. And I'm not against technology. I'm against it dominating my life. And waking up two months later and figuring out, well, where have I been? See, we had the COVID thing and I was sitting there watching TV one day. And I'm just telling this, I'm not going to belabor it. I sat down to watch somebody that's high, very extremely high up in government be questioned by our Senate and that's the last time I'm ever going to do that in my life. It's the only time I've ever done it. I'm 71. Don't pay attention to it. I'm never going to pay attention to it again. Because they just wasted an hour and a half. And I thought, that guy is in that position. How in the world did he get there? I met people like him dealing drugs. Yeah, anyway. Okay, praise the Lord. Moving right along since you're with me. I guess you are. But we're talking about praying in tongues, the importance of it. I'm going to get to it here in a second here. Here's a couple other things I think that's interesting that uh, Brother Hagin said this. There are some things that are personal and individual. I'm talking to you now personal. I'm not talking about you praying for somebody else. I'm talking about you praying for you or your family. But really talking more personal. There are some things that are personal and individual to you that you can claim the prayer of faith and you can receive right now. And that's the way you have to receive that kind of a prayer when you're praying a prayer of faith for something you need. You have the verses for it, and you, quote, you quote it, and you speak it, and you meditate on it until it's real with you. Remember, it's abiding in you, and then you talk to the Father, and then it's done right then because you just prayed the prayer of faith, and you know what the Bible says. Other things, Brother Hagin, other things you have to seek God for and continue to pray about over a period of time. I don't know if you realize that. You can't do everything in prayer in one session. You could do some things, but you need to be able to discern what I'm saying. Prayer of faith, prayer of faith doesn't work for every situation. And he says that, Brother Hagin. Of course, I've known that for a long time. I couldn't get things done for everybody else, or I would have. Especially my friends that passed away. Sometimes I was able to turn it, sometimes I couldn't. Sometimes the Lord told me why later. Sometimes he told me I was just between me and him. Sometimes he said, it's none of your business. When he says that, I say, okay, yes, sir. He says the prayer of faith. I'm talking about Brother Hagin right now. The prayer of faith doesn't work for every situation. We need all kinds of prayer. We're going to get to those verses to tell that to us in a minute. There's a prayer of care. You roll your care on the Lord. See, you have to learn to roll your care and then not five minutes later take it back. In my opinion, that's a problem, a big problem in the body of Christ because people are so heady. Yeah. I was reading a book that somebody bought me, oh, I don't know, a few years ago, and I decided to read a couple chapters, and I told Diana, it's going to go in the shredder. I don't care what kind of Ph.D. he's got or she's got or all the letters after their word, they're, they're not very bright. I'm just the average guy. I'm no brain anything. But I, I figured it out, and I got chapter and verse. And I read something and I said, well, Lord, that isn't true. And immediately he said, yeah, it's not true. And he t and gave me the scriptures right away. I was thinking about them. All right. So there's a lot of different kinds of prayer. I'm giving some generic things to you to understand that. You need to know how to roll your care on the Lord and not pick it back up. Especially if you're going through changes, you have enough pressure on you. You've got a sickness or disease working against you. 
that'll continue to escalate probably if you're going to worry about it and not believe God to be healed of it. All right. Rachel Tifa Tiller. We, uh, she's a fine lady. I used to have some cassettes by her. I, I had them for the prayer group. We had a prayer group here. I did for 16 years. Had five prayer groups when we started the church. I led personally five times a week. But anyway, we did one prayer group every Monday, I think it was, for a long time. We prayed for 16 years like that. Then we moved it to a different night of the week. But Rachel, we got some tapes from her. She's already in heaven. She was a par excellent prayer person, kind of a country person, I would call her, from her slang and just to her way she thought about things. And she says, the more you pray in the Spirit, now that's what I'm talking to you about right now, praying in the Spirit primarily. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more things are going to happen. See, I think sometimes we think like this, well, I'm going to give 30 minutes to praying next Tuesday and then wait three weeks. On Thursday, I'm going to pray another 30 then wait three weeks. Now, on Sunday, no, that's not going to work for you. You're going to have to be consi- more consistent. T- how, do you, how am I going to tell you to do it? You're going to have to give up something else. Right. There's still just 24 hours in a day, and if you're not able to fulfill more than 30 minutes a week, yeah. that's pretty sad for a church that's mature as this one should be by now. Right. Okay, now if you're new to this church, you've just been here a few years, I'm not getting on you. But I think if the shoe fits, you've got to wear it. And this is part of the reason we're behind. We're not a hot behind finances. We learned that this morning. And I'm thankful. But see, that's not all there is to the body of Christ, having money. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to read it again. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more things are going to happen. Let me see here. Uh, let's see here. Rachel said this too one time. Every prayer group needs a seasoned leader over it who knows the flow of the Spirit or it will get off. I can remember this church, our church, through the years people would come to church and they had authority to pray, but they didn't have authority to pray that I had because I was a pastor. They were trying to pray things I didn't believe in or didn't want to happen anyway, and I had to tell them, stop that. (laughs) You told somebody to stop praying? Yeah, because he told me what they were praying about. I said, that's none of your business. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm not being for it. I'm not being mean, but sometimes you see people just take on things that they think they have authority in. Brother Hagen said, and Dr. Frank said, generals deal with generals, not that I'm one. Lieutenants deal with lieutenants and on down through there. Believe me, you've got everything you need to deal with what you deal with. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm asking a rhetorical question. Are you dealing with things that you should be dealing with correctly, or is everything just going to you know where? Not heaven. There's a problem there if that's the case. So let's go over here just for a minute more. 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to I'm gonna talk to you just a few more minutes on praying in the Spirit, and particularly about, uh, uh, you know, praying for things that we don't know how to pray for as we ought. That's another scripture. We'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, a couple of things. 1 Corinthians 14 and uh, verse 2, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, unknown is italicized because it wasn't in the Greek, and the Bible originally was written in the New Testament in Greek. It says here, for he that speaketh in a tongue... Uh, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. And uh, so we can see that this is important. We're not speaking mysteries that we can't understand. We're speaking things out by the Spirit, and God will give us the interpretation of that or give us an impression of what we're praying to how to fulfill that and talk to God about things that you and him need to talk about. You know, it's important. You know, you need to hear from me right now because I'm preaching, but you don't need to hear from me about everything. You need to hear from God. Because I'm not you. I don't know you. I know you, but I don't know everything. I don't know that any human knows everything about another human. I doubt it. I don't think that's scriptural. All right. The Holy Ghost knows me. Jesus knows me. He knows everything. Yeah. So this is important. And so he says, he, and it's not he who hollers in tongues. Or he who screams in tongues. You're, the level of your volume can get wound up in praying, especially if we get into an intercessory level or something like that, a labor and travail, which happens very not so often in a big group like this. And if people aren't trained to do it, people don't know what you're doing, they freak out and, you know, half the people aren't praying anyway. They're looking at you. 
So we're just talking about some things. But normally praying in tongues can be done. I used to do that all the time when my wife had the babies. I would go with her to the doctor and be sitting out there with all the pregnant women, including my wife. And I'd get a magazine and I'd just act like I was reading. I was going, just real quietly. They didn't know what I was saying. But I did and the Holy Ghost did. God knew. Verse 4 here, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Unknown, it's put in there because, uh, you know, other people don't understand that. That's what it means. And you don't even understand it really until you pray it out. And then revelation can come. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, or we would say builds up himself. And one translation said, I put it in my, wrote it in my Bible, improves himself. You talk about self-improvement. Wow. This is a major way to get improved in every area of your life. Praying in the Spirit. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, he speaketh. He edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Then he said, I would that you all uh, spoke with tongues. Now in verse 4 again, it's, here's another translation of this. He that speaks in an unknown tongue moves himself forward in the plan of God. He moves himself forward in the plan of God. I don't remember who this was that said this, but they, some, some gentleman, a pastor, had, was praying in tongues, and he had a vision. He saw train tracks in front of him. And then when he stopped praying, it stopped laying train tracks. And when he started praying in tongues again, the tracks went out again. And he was shown that God said, this is my plan. As you pray in the Spirit, you lay the direction for your life to go in. So I would say from that comment and just from what I know about being a New Testament believer, as much as I know the Word, I need to go in the Spirit as much as that goes too. It's not just Word, 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 Word. And it's not just Spirit, 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 Spirit and forget the Word because you're going to get weird if you do that. If you have the word without the spirit, <laughs> you dry up. If you have the spirit without the word, you blow up. But if you have the spirit with the word, you'll grow up. Yeah. You need to listen to me. The Holy Ghost will quicken you to do all kinds of things. I'm talking about in prayer now that just involved you personally. If you had a good enough prayer group that knew how to go with you, you could do that too. But you don't normally have to have that for every situation. All right. Now let me see where I'm at here. So here's, here's something else. I wrote this down for verse 4. Uh, it says, He who prays in tongues does good to himself. He helps himself grow. And this last translation says, He strengthens himself personally. I get strengthened personally by praying in the Spirit. And because it's my spirit that gets strengthened, my body doesn't always feel that initially. This is what I'm saying. When I'm talking in tongues, when I'm praying in the Spirit, either, either way you want to put that, my spirit is in contact with God. You know, if I went to the gym, which I do not, and lifted weights, my muscles would begin to get bigger or stronger at least anyway, depending on what kind of routine I had. Some make you slimmer and tighter and others make you just big. But regardless, you're getting strength physically. But when you pray in the Spirit, which is so critical in the day we live... I don't know about you, these are my last days on this planet. I'm 71. I can't go back to being 16 again. I can't go back to being 42 again. I can't go back to be 66. That's already gone. I'm looking forward. <laughs> okay. All right. I hope I'm helping you. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Romans 8. We're going to be okay. Uh, we're going to be okay. I've just been talking... That, did that start, did you start that clock when I started speaking? Somebody, yeah, okay, thank you, 26 minutes. I got enough time to talk about this and about praying for Jordan too. But I wanted you to realize I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you. I can't command you. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't do any good. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But I would certainly be stretching with me in the spirit to pray a lot more than you've given yourself to do that. And you got to, listen, the key to that, get out of your head. Get out of your head. Everybody just seems like everybody's in their head about everything, figuring everything out on paper. This has got to meet this. And you, people just get weird and they don't have any sense of faith and adventure and stretch. I'm not yelling at you about it. I'm just talking to you in general. If it doesn't move you, then forget it. But it moves me to teach myself and to remind myself I'm in a spiritual deal here. You know, I'm in a spiritual deal. 
You know, if I wasn't going to pastor, maybe, I don't know, I'd still be a believer, of course, but see, I've just challenged myself over the years, and I've had some people challenge me, like Dr. Dufresne stretched me, Brother Hagen stretched me, others too have helped me. Anyway, I'm just talking. Go over here to Romans 8 a minute. Look at verse 26, 27, and 28, and I'm just about done talking about praying in tongues. I have... Uh, I like what Brother Hagin said this too. The Old Testament saints and those in the Gospels had struggles in prayer that the New Testament believer doesn't have. And remember, just, remember, just always remember, if you go back and read something in the Old Testament, that's fine. But you make sure you bring it through Calvary before you try to live in it because you're not under the law. If you put yourself under the law, you're going to live a miserable life. <laughs> okay. You should go into the new covenant and see. And he goes on to say, because we, the new covenant believer, has the authority of the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, like they didn't have. Now, prophets, priests, and kings had it in the Old Testament. There was a certain person anointed here or there. But that's it, not the whole community of, we would call them believers, though they really weren't a believer in what we believe in fully because it wasn't even written yet. But they had a covenant with God. But not all of them were spirit-filled. Moses didn't know nothing about tongues. Elisha didn't know nothing about tongues. Great prophets of God. I mean, you don't realize what we got over here in this new covenant. And that's what Brother Hagin was saying. But let me read this, Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise the Spirit also help us our infirmities, better translate our weaknesses. It doesn't necessarily mean sickness and disease. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Notice how that's worded. We know not what to pray for as we ought. We know we need to pray about it if something's going on that we could pray for somebody. I'm, I'm slipping over a little bit in praying in tongues now, not just for ourselves, but when you're praying for other people. And I might know what they told me. Listen carefully. But they don't know everything themselves. And some of them aren't honest. Didn't tell the truth to begin with. So that doesn't help me any. So that I could pray everything I know about them that I know to pray that would maybe help them turn it. But there's things I get into out there that I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Until I do this, what I'm going to show you here. I know we need to pray, but it says we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, it should read himself, maketh intercession for us, or really it should be with us, with groanings which cannot be uttered, and that's a poor translation of that. In the Greek it really means, uh, it means speaking in a language that I cannot speak in my normal dialect. Hello, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing good. That's my normal dialect. But this is talking about speaking in a language that, and I'm in another dimension now. My spirit is speaking, not my mind in my natural, but I'm hooking into, and many times in my life anyway it's happened. I don't know if it's because I'm a prophet or not. I wouldn't say that was always true, but I've broken into other dialects. One time I spoke Navajo Indian back in the old kitchen area. I don't know you, Dale and Don and a few other people were in that meeting. And I fell on the floor and face down, I began to speak in some foreign language. It sounded a little bit like Chinese, but then I went to see the Navajos as a minister. I got there, and they were, they were talking to each other around me. I said, well, that was what I said to myself. That's what I was talking. That's what I was speaking in that prayer meeting before I ever went. Yeah. But they have some strange stuff out there. And, you know, that I saw that from praying here before I got there, it helped me a great deal. Yeah, and I, all the leaders I let... let met out there that talked to me and they were very willing to talk to me they said you know we've always had these uh, uh, they call them wind runners and stuff and like one guy said to me somebody knocked on my door one night Dr. Jacobs I opened the door there was a wolf standing on his back his hind legs speaking perfect Navajo to me talking to him yeah I can tell you about other things but I don't want to make your hair stand up forever <laughs> but the power of God carried us through that I think it was me and Mike Moe the first time we went. We just laughed and laughed and laughed. And it was, we had a good meeting. Anyway, so he says there's a place we could get into where we're speaking. I wrote it in my Bible. Your speaking is from another dimension. When you're praying in tongues, you're speaking from another dimension, not the normal dimension we walk in. <laughs> you know, and if you were French, you'd be speaking French. And, you know, different people. You're speaking 
Really, the Greek says, it's not something I can speak in an articulate speech or regular speaking pattern that I have in English. It's from another dimension. And a few times, like I said, sometimes I started praying, then I broke off in some other... You know, I've told the vision I had about angels. I haven't got time to tell it. I don't want this to get away from me. But it says, he that searcheth the hearts, verse 27, knows what's the mind of the Spirit for that situation. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now see, this is where people don't interpret right. Verse 28 goes with 26 and 27. If I haven't prayed things out, either in English or in tongues, either, then I'm not, I'm not even in God's will yet. Because this acts like anything that happens must be God's will, if I've already done what he said to do in 26 and 27. <laughs> All right. It's never God's will for people to be sick. It's never God's will for people to die early. I know that from the Bible. Whether it happens or not, that's up to me, for me. But for other people, I can sometimes help them turn it. And sometimes I can't. There's other factors. But I'm giving you this because there's things we can do. I'd like to share some incidents with you, but I'm running out of time, so I'm going to shift over to the other of personal things that I prayed about and people got saved, people got delivered from car accidents. But we're, let's switch over here to go to uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to switch over and talk about... Uh, Praying for our pastor, praying for spiritual leaders, such as Jordan here and the staff. You can pray for all of us, and I'm, I'm kind of partially on staff. I'm still the CEO here and stuff. Uh, my name's on everything. Let's just say that. So not because I'm trying to be a big shot. That's just what I had to sign up for when I did this. So I'm talking to you now about bringing your supply in prayer for your pastor. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, let's begin in verse 8 here. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Now this is Paul speaking to them at Corinth. Ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia that we were pressed out of measure. That means there was a lot of pressure on him. If you're pressed out of measure, that's pretty pressed out. We might say stressed out, but I'd say it's even more, more than that. Above strength. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. Well, that's pretty serious, I'd say, weighing on him, on Paul, and I think it was Timothy and maybe one other. I think it's Timothy here, yeah. But he says, uh, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. It looked like maybe they were, something was going to happen, that we should not trust in ourselves. Listen to I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm already pressed out of measure. <laughs> And I've got to get a hold of God and not trust in myself to get myself out of this. He says that I trust in, don't trust in myself, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Now, this interesting comment here, verse 9, in the footnote, it's written in my Bible from the Greek. But we had the answer of death in ourselves. See, death is never the will of God. You have enough pressure, it looks like you're going to die. That's pretty serious. But he said, we had the answer in ourselves, and then they had to speak it. But let's read on. He's not just talking about himself here, him and Timothy. Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. Brother, if you're delivered in the past, the present, and the future, you're delivered. Yes. Though it might look like you're going down. Oh, my gosh. I can remember standing right there worshiping God two years ago and feeling like, how in the world am I going to get on the other side of this? You just don't worry about it. I'm not going to talk to you, talk to you about it. He had no idea what I went through. I didn't tell anybody what I went through. Didn't need to tell anybody what I went through. I'm dealing with myself and God and me. <laughs> All right. Hey, some of you may pick me up. If you did, thanks. If you didn't, well, whatever. He says, yet also, verse 11, Paul speaking, yet also helping together by prayer for us. So he was, Paul was saying, I used other people. I'm asking other people to help me through their prayer life, not through their money life, not through their giving to me in a sense of financial help. Sometimes preachers need that too. I think I'm going to take up an offering sometime for Jordan to go on a vacation. Oh, he'll go. 
Are you listening to me? Yes. And, if I, and if I didn't do that, you wouldn't. Why would you? It's not your place to do that. I'm his leader. I'm his spiritual father. Sometimes I go to some of my son's church. Hey, let me help you get a car. Oh, I don't know about that. Hey, listen, go talk to your wife. She'll help you. Every, place, every time I ever asked a man and the wife was with us, they would always say, that's, that's God, Dr. Jacobs. And I would just wink at her and go, well, you guys go home and talk about it, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, Pastor. And every one of them came back and said, yeah, we, we talked about it. I, we believe it's God's will. I just looked at his wife and went, thanks. And the money was always there. It wasn't like we tore the church up and the church fell apart. They accelerated. I remember I did that. Oh, never mind. On, on, a, on a car thing, a, late, a gentleman named Chiclayo, Peru, and the business lady went to his church. She owned half of the city. You talk about real estate out the whatever. And I told him, I said, now you don't, you, don't, you don't go pick out a car. You let them go pick out what they want, and you buy it for them. And I took up an offering that night. I had several hundred dollars in my pocket. I put it in a bucket. I said, everybody else that wants to help. But I want some business people in this church. I'd been pastor 14 years, picked me up in a in a car that was put, held together with duct tape and baling wire. Had two little children. I rode in the back one day and it smoked, smoked stuff like they inoculated, whatever, just choked me. And I didn't yell at them about that, but I said, this, this place was packed from front to back on the second story of a rental property. I said, there's business people. God showed me there's business people here tonight. You just get together after the service and talk to each other and figure out how you can help him get whatever he wants. Been, I said, how long have you been here, Pastor? 14 years. And you're driving that car? And he said, well, I don't know if I want you to do that. And I looked over and his wife said, she pushed him back. That's God, Dr. Jacobs. <laughs> uh, you guys just go home and talk about it. And we'll, I will talk tomorrow. And sure enough, at lunch he said, yeah, I believe that's God. And you know this lady that owned half the town? She got together with seven or eight other business people. And she said, just the eight of us can take care of the whole thing. He can buy whatever he wants. He wanted a Toyota 4Runner, and he, he, they bought it for him and paid cash for it. <laughs> See? But all the time he thought, oh, I don't want to do that. How could I do that? He wasn't thinking like that because he's the pastor. How does a pastor get up and say, why do you people let me drive a rattle trap with two young children when it's leaking in the back seat because the mufflers ate off of it? You, know, you see what I mean? I'm not being rude. This is what spiritual fathers do if they're a spiritual father at all. <laughs> They would try to help their children. Anybody here doesn't like to help their children? I'll cast that devil out of you. <laughs> but anyway, Paul said here, you are helping together by your prayers for us. So when you bring your supply in prayer, which isn't always public, but you're doing that at home, you're giving yourself over some, and if you've been praying, maybe you could extend it a little bit. You know, if you just say, well, Father, I, t I asked you to take care of Jordan. Well, that's great, but that's pretty shallow. You're just a little bit beyond that. We're going to pray some things in a minute, you know, over the church and over Pastor Jordan. He didn't tell me I couldn't tell you anything, but I'm going to limit myself in what I'm te talking about. You know, he has had some physical issues for several years, but he's getting better. You, know, you don't need to come ask him about it. I'm not going to tell you about it. But I'm just saying that's your pastor and he's on the tip of the spear. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, praise God. Let's see where I'm at. So what we need to be then, according to this verse, we need to be helping and laboring with, with Jordan in prayer. And we need each other. He's been preaching that. And I think he said that I don't know how many times this morning and last week we did it together. Well, this is a part of bringing your supply in prayer. Be an aid and a help, not a detriment. Now, there's nothing wrong with you having needs too, but if you come regularly to church and you listen to what we teach, what he teaches primarily because he's the pastor, then you're getting out of things if you're doing what we're teaching. You have to be a doer of the word. Just because we teach it doesn't mean it comes automatic. But there's another area here where you're just dependent on him to feed you, feed you, feed you, feed you, and not bring your supply in prayer because it seems insignificant. That's low-life thinking. That's not good covenant thinking at all. I said when I got saved, Lord, I, I want to give my life to you, but I feel like you're getting the short end of the stick. He said, I didn't ask you what end of the stick I was getting. You come into my, my plan, and you come into my covenant, and we'll see how that goes. So, I mean, he's done the lion's share of everything through my life for 50 years now almost, 49. Hallelujah. So we must maintain our right to be there. Staff needs to know this too. 
other leaders in the church. If we ask you to do something to involve some extra stuff from you, you know, you have to step up to that. That's extra work. Thank you so much. Got a couple nods and uh-huh, yeah, okay. But listen, we need to have maintain our right to be wherever we're at in the body of Christ. There's responsibility, there's privilege, and there's obligation when you're in a church. There should be. If it isn't that way, it's not a church. <laughs> it might be an organization, but it's not a church. Are you still here? Yes. All right. Now let's go over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Praise God. I know we're not used to hearing all these words sometimes fully, although I think Jordan does a great job in teaching us what our responsibilities should be. Uh, Ephesians 6. I'm going over here. Um, Ephesians 6 verse 18 and 19 says, praying always, I'm going to interpret it as I read it, praying always with all prayer, or it could be all kinds of prayer, and supplication in the Spirit. Supplication is when you're asking God for something, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. So this is talking about your prayer life. And again, it's really could read this way, praying always with all kinds of prayer. And then it says, and supplication in the Spirit, where it says in the Spirit, it could read in the Greek, led by the Spirit. Are you listening to me? Yes. Listen, we, when you get to prayer, we come to a prayer meeting like tonight, whatever time we're going to pray, maybe just 20 minutes or something. But we need to have an idea where we're going. But then if God interrupts us and say, go this way, then you need to obey that. Yes. <laughs> See, people get in their head and got it all planned out. That would be great, A, B, C, D, but you might only get to A, and then you go to F and G. Right. And there's a Z and an R in there somewhere, you know, later on. I don't know. You just got to be willing to be led by the Spirit. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember who it was a while back. I was praying, and I got somebody came through my prayer life, and I began praying. I called, and I said, I picked you up in the Spirit three days ago. What's going on? <laughs> he said, man, I needed it. Well, did you get over it? Did you get through it? Oh, yeah. See, sometimes I'm praying for something, but then he all of a sudden, oh. and then I don't say, well, don't, don't bother that with me now. No, I just yield to that. If I'm praying one direction, he says, do this. I don't know if it's in these notes here, but it might be I'm trying to think about who said that. It might have been Brother Hagen. Uh, prayer will not substitute... Prayer will not substitute for your rising up in the name of Jesus and binding the power of the devil to play havoc with your life. Sometimes you just got to rise up and be tough guy, tough girl, like you mean it. Like if, you, if it don't work, you're done. You got to get tough about it and say, in Jesus' name, you get out of my life and take your stuff. Get away from my kids, get away from my wife, get away from my husband, get away from this family. And you got to mean it. See, that you can't, everything is all kinds of prayer. That would be more a prayer of operating under authority of Jesus. You know, he says, whatever you bind will be bound. Well, when I bind something, I expect it to be bound. If I loose it, it's going to be loosed. Amen. I'm not trying to be funny, but if it, binding doesn't work, then loose it. You have to figure that out too, and you're praying. I don't know why we think prayer has to be a long, drawn-out thing, because sometimes in Ephesians it says, I made mention of you in my prayers. Yeah. So now normally I don't pray over all my partners by naming them because I have several hundred now. But I do put them together and pray a certain scriptural prayer for them, Colossians 1, 9, and 10. And then I pray whatever else is in my heart to pray for them. Recently I've said help them to be more successful. And the churches I'm going to, the word of, the, of my partners are in there. When I'm with a son or a daughter that's connected to me, I began teaching them on the revelation God gave me in Mexico City because that fit. Okay, but people have to receive that and then operate in, operate in it. All right, now I'm still over here in Ephesians 6. We're going to pray for things being led by the Spirit. We're going to take all kinds of prayer maybe, perhaps. And verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me. Boy, I'm telling you, Jordan has given us some wonderful utterances. Utterance takes on two forms, though, in this comment here. Utterance, one, preaching the Bible. 
I mean, occasionally, many times, he'll, I'll be sitting there and he'll say something. I'll say, where'd he get that? That is so good. I wish I'd have got that. <laughs> no, I'm not jealous. I'm thrilled. Yes, I'm thrilled that my son has the ability to study and, and let the Holy Ghost help him and bring out things like he did this morning. That's the best teaching I've heard on ties ever. And I've heard some of the best in the world teach it. <laughs> like John Avanzini, like Kenneth E. Hagin, like Kenneth Copeland. I'm not talking about myself, I'm just talking about others that really excel. And, but he had that, and boy, it was just so fruitful, so powerful. The typology in the Old Testament, and how it runs into the New Covenant, and you see what I'm saying? It just, I mean, you had to have been really not even awake if you didn't catch what it was today. I'm not thinking of anybody either that went to sleep. I didn't look around, but. <laughs> so we're praying for him to have utterance, and the utterance takes on that form maybe in his ministry a little more than this area over here right now. But he does say for things too from the front if you're listening, especially when he first gets up, if there's a strong anointing, I pay attention and normally know it because that's what I'm looking for in every service. Where's the anointing at here? Was it that song or was, you know, or whatever? Well, who did what before I got up? You know, could end up. Anyway. But utterances, like say, you know, be healed today or something. You got, and he'll name things sometimes. And then sometimes when I'm anointed, utterances with me would be prophetic kind of prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and then word of knowledge for me, and sometimes working of miracles for me, and sometimes gifts, other gifts of the spirit, like the uh, the uh, gifts of healings. I have some of those in my mantle, but primarily now that healing anointing is taken over more in the last few years. I'm not trying to show you. I'm just trying to tell you something. So these are for preachers. Are you listening to me? Thank God for utterance. And brother, Dr. Dufresne went to church in Ohio several years ago, and the people were swapping mates in the, in the church. You know, not at church, but they were doing that. And he picked it up, and he couldn't go on with the service until he dealt with that. And the Lord said, you deal with that because that pastor... I'm not saying, I should, I almost say that about that pastor. He knew it, but didn't do anything about it. He needed to get out of the ministry. So he stood up and said that. I want the three couples that are doing that come up here and repent. Well, you imagine a church of 1,200 people, nobody moved at all. They want to throw tomatoes at him or their songbooks or whatever. So he had two friends there and said, Bob, you take that section. I'll take this section. Mark, you take that. And they all went to the right people. Can you imagine? 1,200 people. <laughs> And you just got a section of three or four hundred. You got to figure out which guy and wife are committing sins. Doctor Frank went to the guy and says, "You're the man." He said, "I am not." He said, "Yes, you are." He said, "I am not." He said, "Yes, you are." He said, "I am not." He said, "Yes, you are. You're the man." Imagine saying that in front of twelve hundred people, telling this guy he's committing adultery, and finally he broke down. He started shaking. He said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm the one." Church was totally vacated in one year because the pastor didn't deal with that. It took utterances. I mean, the church should have rejoiced. They sent him a real prophet, even if the pastor was kind of a baby, in my opinion. I mean, he knew about it. It all came later that he knew all about it and was afraid to address the people. I don't know if they thought, he thought they had money or he's crazy. He just doesn't belong in the ministry if he's not going to take care of his sheep. You let a thing like that go on or any other kind of thing like greed... And your whole church will end up greedy. Your whole church will end up in whatever sin is dominating them. Thank you. I'm going to ask for a pat on the back from that, Mr. Anthony. Yeah. Glory. No, we're not out to get people, but you can see how something like that, if you let it stay, it starts growing. You know, God does it. He's not able to manifest an environment that's full of that kind of stuff. God was trying to manifest if they just stood up and walked forward and they got it all delivered and all worked out. That would have been one thing. But anyway, just talk. See, so again to this word here, uh, to make known the mystery of the gospel. And he says here, that I may open my mouth boldly. I tell you, Jordan's got some boldness on him. For which I am an ambassador in bonds that there and I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay. So we should be praying for Jordan that that we praying for him with all types of prayer, whatever God lays on our heart to pray for him from the word or praying in the spirit. Father, I'm going to lift up my pastor based on what I know and, uh, and maybe something I don't know. So I'm just going to pray in tongues that you'll use my praying in tongues to intercede for 
my pastor, then God's able to move more fully in his life. And if you pray in tongues for him, I guarantee he'll be a better pastor than he is right now. Because something changes the spirit when you begin to not be selfish with your prayers, but give yourself to pray for other people. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. So when we pray for him, we know we can pray this way and we can pray for utterance to be given as he speaks. I mean, he's become a really good teacher of the word of God. I asked him, I don't know if you knew that, but he preached on uh, mercy, judgment, judgment, mercy thing. It was so balanced. I said, I want to send that to all my partners. Can I duplicate it? And he said, yeah, I just sent it to all my partners, including Pastor Nancy. Yeah. Said he hadn't listened to it yet, but she's going to get to it. So, hallelujah. You may be going out there to preach sometime. Anyway, I, I'm just talking, but it's good talking here. Now, let's go to 2 Thessalonians 3. Am I making myself clear? Or I don't want to muddy the water. I want to make it clear to you. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and 1 through 3. We're going to be done. And it's been under an hour I made it to, to do this. And then I have some... A couple other things to say to you about that. Uh, here's ta- Rachel Tifa Tiller. Turn second, second Thessalonians chapter three, and just put it in park. I'll be right back. But Rachel Tifa Tiller, we used to listen to her tapes, and man, did I get we got fed, didn't we, Donna? I don't know who else was with me in that group. It's been a while back, Donna, Dale, Larlene. I don't know who else been here still here. She says, by praying for ministers, this is what I want to relate to Jordan, by praying for ministers, or me, you can pray for me too, uh, you help plow the ground so that everything is ready for them. So I just wonder if we just did something like maybe if you have a Saturday night and you know, you're thinking you're going to go to bed early, if you just took 30 minutes and went aside from your mate, or if you that close to each other, you can pray with each other, that's even better, but I don't know that everybody does that. I know Brother Copeland and Gloria said, she said one time they didn't much. I'm sure they do when they need to agree, but what I'm not trying to put you in a box. I'm trying to show you there's some liberty. What if you just took 30 minutes and went away into the closet of your bedroom and just knelt down and prayed in there for 30 minutes, let your husband watch TV or vice versa if they want or whatever they're doing, and just prayed for the service on Sunday. We only have one main service a week right now. I'm not complaining, but... It's not like we meet 17 times. You do have your life groups. I know you meet, what, every other week? Then the Wednesday night youth group, but just one service a week. If you just took 30 minutes or whatever day or night that fits into your schedule, or maybe you can take 15-minute segments four different times in the week if that helps you. But she says, by praying for ministers, you help plow the ground so that everything is ready for them. Everything's ready to be delivered to the congregation that's in the preacher. And in your case, the pastor primarily. He's gone. All right. I'm going to say a couple more things in just a minute here. But 2 Thessalonians 3, beginning in verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. And I could have gave you almost 20 references to that where Paul said, pray for us. Isn't it amazing? The guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and he's saying, please pray for me. And pray for me and Timothy, or me and Sylvanus and Timothy. Pray for us. We need it. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. See, now I know what this means. I've studied this out many years ago. Free course means the word can go anywhere it needs to in a congregation, land wherever it needs to land for different people. If you had a church of 100 people, man, land 100 different places. But it's a free course. In other words, the word's not going to be resisted because Pastor Jordan or me says something that's uncomfortable. You're just going to say, hmm, that hurt, but I like it. You know, like somebody said he stepped on my toes. Well, you know, don't put your feet out there. (laughs) Now, seriously here, I tell you the things I've been corrected of is things that saved my life over the years. Maybe doing real good in several areas. And then the Lord said, this is the thing I want to deal with you about, Michael. Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. I'm going to take my whipping. Now, I say that Joe, he doesn't beat me up ever. He always encourages me. One time he said to me, you know, I, you need to live on a lot longer because I, I put a lot in you. That's what he said to me. 
I didn't feel enamored by that, but I felt like, wow, if you put a lot in me, maybe I haven't got all that's in me out yet to get it out. But see, it's saying to pray for us that the word the Lord gives Pastor Jordan will run its course with free course and be glorified. In other words, if the word's acted on, then the word gets the glory. See? Whatever he's teaching. He's teaching on finances today and how we ought to all tithe. I don't know if everybody here tithes or not, but you guys have been impressive with what you have given this last year for sure. Hallelujah. And then verse 2, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men and ladies and teenagers. For all men have not faith. No, some of the teenagers give me the hardest time in my life in this church over the years. Some of them. I won't tell you what I'm thinking because I don't think you could handle it. But anyway, that we may be delivered from unreasonable. Listen to me. Some people are just unreasonable. Their minds, their vocabulary, their attitude, just unreasonable. There's no way you're going to compensate that. There's no way you're going to get through on that with some people. They're going to argue with you about everything. <laughs> and I've had them get mad at me right up here after I preached to them. After they'd been with me for three, four, five, even 15 years one time over some little old pity thing, piddly thing. You know what I mean? And then get mad and leave the church. And, and then later the wife shows up someplace else and tells a bunch of people, man, my husband's an idiot. He, he got mad at Dr. Jacobs over nothing. And I'm, now I'm going to church I don't even want to be at. See what I'm saying? See, he's an unreasonable person. Unreasonable. I said, well, you made the call to promote her because she was homeschooled. It's your fault. Not mine. Put her down here with me. I'm going to teach on sex too. If you don't trust what I have in the youth group for. And he just pulled his whole family and got mad and left over that comment. I said, you're the one that told us she was a something, something greater. Put her in here with me. You trust me? He stomped away. I've had that happen over and over. See, people are just so uptight. And these people that do that to you are unreasonable. You're, you're just not going to get through. So I just don't waste my time anymore. If you come to me with your Bible open like you're going to try to argue, I'm going to say I haven't got time for it. I'm not the pastor here. I know Jordan's sweeter than me. But listen, let's learn to get along. If we're going to be here, let's get along. But what I'm praying is you pray for people that are unreasonable. I had somebody come to this church one time. It was the first time he ever came. came for one service, and he walked directly to me and says, where I used to go, they let us have an open mic. And I just looked at him. And I think he knew that meant I'm not going to do that with you, bud. <laughs> he hadn't been back since. I don't need people like that that are just dogmatic and argumentative about everything. In other words, he wants to take over the pulpit. He's only come one time. And my interaction with him prior to that moment was totally disrespectful from him towards me. I'm a lot nicer and sweeter than you think I am. But I'm not going to put up with shenanigans because that would affect the whole church. We should pray that Jordan and this church be delivered from unreasonable people and wicked people. Some people are wicked. That's different. That's a different level. And some are just unreasonable. Their brain or mind doesn't function right because they're not spiritual. They're carnal. How many understand what I'm saying? You certainly got a relative that's carnal, doesn't understand you at all, just because you go to a church that we tithe in and that we believe in prayer, we believe in miracles. But there are other people out there that believe that. You just got to talk to them. See, we have a restaurant ministry. I know that. The other day I talked to the waitress and she said, you speak in tongues? Yeah, we sure do. That's not all we do, but we do that. Glad to do it. Thrilled to do it. All right. So we're going to pray here in just a second here. Let's, let's go over here to Colossians chapter 4. Now I gave you this book for your benefit, but also you could pray it for Jordan. Any of these scriptures... Like here, I'm, in, I'm on page 12. I know I told you to Colossians 4, but I'm on page 12 in this little book. You, this is the book, the book says, He took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases for us. He took away our sicknesses and our diseases He removed. I thank you, Father, that you took away Jordan's sicknesses and diseases and you removed them from him. I thank you for strengthening my pastor with new strength in his inner man. That's not in here. It just came out of me. Or I just pray for his divine protection. It may not always be people, but there are spirits that target the leader. 
wonder why they try to always assassinate the president. Because he's the leader. It's so disruptive and they do that. I'm just talking. I'm not being violent with you. I'm just saying it's a principle. If you're in the ministry full time, you become a target. Not intentionally, but you just out of what you're doing for God because you're the leader. There's pressure on you that other people maybe don't have to that level. How many are listening? I have a pastor friend. He said, Lord, I'm tired of this. I'm going to quit. And the Lord said, that's all right. You just show up Monday morning like normal. <laughs> and he did. He's still in the ministry. Hallelujah. Have I helped you any learning this a little bit here? But let's read these scriptures too. So this book will help you to pray on healing and health for your pastor. And here we Colossians 4 and verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, he belonged to the church at Colossae, a servant of Christ, a servant of the anointed one in his anointing, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Now that's a lot to say. He was always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So that, you could pray that for him just right out of the Bible. Father, we just pray right now for Jordan that he might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, in all of your perfect will for him. We pray for him to stand perfect and complete, that you're completing in him the work that you've begun. And we lift him up to you tonight to be supernaturally protected and delivered from unreasonable and wicked people. We, we say that, Father, he's our leader and he's anointed to be our leader as a pastor here at Church on the Rock. And we thank you for his, his commitment and dedication to the word of God and thinking about his body, the body of Christ here constantly. We thank you for his care for us, his preaching, the word to us, his boldness towards us, and straightening out things that maybe we didn't see as clear as we do see now because we have him to teach us, and we thank you for it. See, you're helping to get him to get in the perfect will of God. And the other part is he's always laboring fervently for you. That's kind of like Brother Dale. Now, I'm saying this in a complimentary way. Pastor Brother Dale here, he starts praying and the anointing hits him. He just, I mean, it's like a rocket. I mean, it's like that rocket, you know, it goes up so far with the power to get out of the earth's atmosphere and then it goes, shoom. That's the way he is. That's just the way he's always prayed. I've been around him 44 years. So, and other people are not so explosive. I'm saying that to his comment, I, I like that. And he's always been really a good person of prayer. And he prays for me a lot. Prayed for me a lot, me and my wife, all of us, you know, but my family. I've always cared about my family, my children, my grandchildren. And many of you do too, love my family. And I appreciate that. But everybody's not the same in the way they approach prayers. Everybody has a different tempo or a different demeanor or whatever. But as long as you're in faith, that's all that counts. When I had that 16-year prayer group, prayer group, somebody came to me one time and said, you know, I don't sound like Dale and Donna. I said, you're not Dale and Donna. Are you Dale and Donna? No. What's your name? I'm not going to tell you what her name was. I said, do you have a problem with what we're praying? Nope. Well, then just join in with us. What's the problem? You're comparing yourself to two of the key principal intercessors that prayed for many, many years. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just do our part. Unless you're in disagreement with me as a leader or disagreeing with where we're going, just jump in there. You don't have to sound like them. You're not them. Your name is whatever. <laughs> and so I think she stayed for a little bit longer. See, we get confused because we're not thinking right. Now, let's look over here, over to Philippians 1. I'm just giving you some information that should help you. And we're going to take a few more minutes and all of us in a second and stand up and pray. But Philippians 1.19, this is one of my favorite scriptures too. And really the first time I got revelation on this is when uh, Dr. Rogan, Keith, Keith and Cynthia, uh, their, their baby passed away. One of their babies they had here in the city. And uh, God gave me this scripture. He told me to get up and pray for him in the middle of the night. And I got up and he said, turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, Michael. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
So I began to pray and God began to show me more. And I, and I taught the church this during that time. That was 30, oh, 35 years ago, 34 years ago, something like that. And uh, I said, the church is going to pray this prayer for you every day for a while. And we're going to pray in tongues for you too. And this is the thing, listen to me. I'm going to lay up, and the rest of the people that do this with me, we're going to lay up a supply of the Spirit for you when you start feeling overwhelmed in a week or two. You know, you can have a funeral and go through all that, and naturally it's traumatic and dramatic. But then a week later, you feel like you're having a meltdown, or a month later, or six months later. Because you just, it's traumatic. And I told them, listen, just say, I'm, take, I'm tapping a hold to that supply that Pastor Jacobs, that was me at that time, and this congregation is laid out. And I said, even if you're crying, you just take advantage of that, and the power of God will come on you to sustain you and stabilize you and minister to you, whatever your need is. And we did that and carried them for a long time, and they got over it. I mean, they got over the trauma of the thing. You know what I mean? You don't get over that fully, but you, you can to where you can go on in life. Is anybody listening? But so as your pastor here, I'm talking about we can turn things for him through our prayers. That's what it says, our prayers. Not his prayer, but our prayer. For him and the supply of the Spirit. We're laying up the Spirit. When we We're laying up a supply. See, these are all unseen things I'm talking about. That's why I told you earlier, we're spiritual people. And we should know how to do things like that for church members, church people, or anybody else, really. But, you know, you got to know how to receive it. You don't deserve any of it. Just take advantage of what's laid up for you. That's what I'm trying to say. And so when you pray for your pastor, you're praying to lay up something for him, to take a hold of him, to help him. I'm telling you, one of these three churches that I'm going to, starting in about four or five more days, in the, book, in the book of March, in the month of March, somebody there is praying for me today. I mean, they have got a hold of me since this morning. I don't know which church it is. It might be all three of them. I send them a letter. We send them a letter. Hallelujah. Somebody's been praying for me. Because I felt that today in my spirit. Hallelujah. So I'm giving you a little scripture so we could realize how things work. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.